Hello, my name is Stuart Leakes and I'm talking to Alessandro Televi, who is the director of Opera North's new production of Don Giovanni. Hello, Alessandro. Hi, good evening, Stuart. Um, so Don Giovanni is, is one of the three operas that Mozart wrote with the theatre poet Lorenzo de Ponti, the others being Marja Figaro and Cosi Fantuti. Yes. Um, and all three of them are comedies, I suppose, with serious hearts to them. Uh, but Don Giovanni is definitely the darkest of them all, mm. isn't it? Um, could you just give us a little overview of the story and the way that Mozart and de Ponti uh, treat this material? Yes, well, um, the story obviously is, uh, you know, the, le the, great, the legend of the great seducer Don Juan, Don Giovanni in this case. Um, the piece is unusual because it sort of end, it, it starts with a crime and it ends with the uh, the punishment for that crime. Well, amongst other crimes, I suppose, but it's sort of um, it's it's in parentheses um, the whole piece. And the piece starts with the murder of the f the father of uh, one of Don Giovanni's um, victims in love, you could say. And uh, and then the piece ends with uh, the the father coming back as a stone statue and 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 claiming him and pulling him down to hell. But everything that happens in between that is a sort of a series of escapades, um, uh, Don Giovanni's amorous pursuits, but also mixed up with you know the characters, all his victims, all the people who are sort of pursuing him, who want to get revenge or or who are in love with him or who hate him for other reasons. Uh, it, 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 the, the story sort of follows their, um, their, their chasing of him. And um, it's, it's a curiously um, uh, crazy and, um, and I suppose you could say flawed in some ways because it doesn't have the overarching structure that Cosi and Figaro have. Um, so everything that happens between that dramatic first scene and the dramatic final scene um, is a sort of a melee. It's a it's a it's a jumble of uh, quite exciting escapades, really. Shall we just talk a little bit about the Don himself? You know, he is the the title. Uh, character in the piece, um, both in the the main title Don Giovanni and the alternative mm. title, which is the, uh, the 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 rake punished, I suppose yes. would be how you translate it. And yet, curiously, he's he's the one character who probably has mm. the least solo music in the whole of the mm. evening. Most of the time, we hear him in ensemble with other characters, and he he doesn't have an aria in which he bears his soul to the mm. audience. So we sort of understand things from his perspective. He's almost more of an archetype in some ways, I guess, than a, yes. than a, than a, a character. But how do you sort of deal with that in the rehearsal yes. room when you have a, a living, breathing singer uh, well, playing the role? Mozart instinctively, uh, I think Mozart instinctively understood that, that, the, that the mysterious, uh, um, alluring man at the centre of it couldn't really bear his soul because part of, the, part of the allure is the mystery. And I think if we know too much about a character... We sort of work them out, and and um, they they stop being compelling for us. And I think that's that's I think Mozart just instinctively understood that, and and that's why there's no soul-bearing uh, music for Don Giovanni in this piece. I mean, interestingly enough, originally there wasn't any uh, soul-revealing uh, music for Donna Elvira either, and I think that's because 
And she is like his sort of mythical archetypal counterbalance. She's the one who always turns up to spoil his party because, you know, she's the sort of the archetypal abandoned woman. You know, he's the, uh, he, he being the archetypal uh, rake has the counterpart of the, you know, the, the archetypal abandoned woman who, who, who is forever chasing him. And so it's quite interesting to see how, Don, uh, how Mozart originally conceived those two characters as being almost um, ciphers. And I think that's what... Uh, that's what Don Giovanni is really. He's a sort of a he's a sort of a, a potentiality. He's a he's a he's more like rather than being a sort of a person, he's more like a potential for being something. For you know, he's 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 like a, a ball of energy. He he is like the candle to which all the moths uh, fly. He has that sort of attractiveness. And and um, uh, in rehearsal, it, it is quite interesting. You know, how, how do you how do you create that? that sort of almost superhuman attractiveness uh, on stage. Um, that's why I think it, it, it helps to take the piece out of, comp comp uh, out of complete realism um, and, and, uh, and, and find ways of emphasizing the universal archetypal idea. Yes, I mean, I think that's a really important point to bear in mind, isn't it? It's not a naturalistic piece by mm. any... By any uh, um, by any measure. Um, so given that, uh, how have you and Madeline Boyd, who's the set and costume designer for the production, um, arrived at your, um, shall I say, solution to some of these uh, challenges that Don Giovanni presents? And, and how long has that process yeah. taken you? I have to say, for, for, Don, for this piece, it's taken much longer than, than any other opera I think we've ever done together. Uh, I think we th we threw out about three fully formed con uh, production conceptions for this for this opera before we arrived at the final one, and to be honest, it's putting together a a concept, uh, an idea for Don Giovanni, and realizing it with designs um, is not something that you can just almost rationally arrive at. You have to. It's almost like a process of osmosis. You have to listen to the music countless number of times, and then eventually, it's almost like the ideas come out of your subconscious, and you you somehow feel instinctively what's right. Um, and and I found that um, the the ideas that we came up with, uh, it took really a, over a year to to come up with ideas for, and and you know the ideas would suddenly uh, you know the idea the strong like a strong idea for a scene would suddenly arrive almost as if sort of by magic it would just it would just somehow come into into my mind and and I knew that was the right idea for the scene I couldn't always explain why um, but I knew that was right and and um, and then it, it was almost as if by stringing together those the strong ideas uh, that arrived in almost subconsciously um, you could you, once you had this, those string of ideas together, you could almost look at the overall picture and say, actually, yes, I can see a thread running through, and that must be what the concept is. I could then explain it rationally. And that's really how I arrived at the concept for Don Giovanni. And I think in a way, I like to think maybe Mozart, when he was composing the piece, um, also didn't have a, a, a sort of a, a, an overarching structure when he first began. It's a sort of a, he, 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 he felt it intuitively. And I think, that's what, I think that's what Madeline and I have done, is that we've, we felt how to do the piece. We've we've uh, we've uh, discovered the concept more intuitively than rationally. <laughs> Could I just ask you to choose maybe a couple of moments that for you are musically and dramatically highlights of the piece? 
Uh, my uh, one of my personal favorites is the is the 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 the, uh, the act one finale, the, the the scene where the three dancers are are ingeniously welded together. You know, Mozart um, comes up with a, a series of three dancers. Uh, one a, a minuet danced by the aristocrats, um, a, a contradance danced by um, uh, Don Giovanni and Zelina, and then a sort of a peasant's uh, 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 sort of like a landler type of uh, uh, dance. And and Mozart, being the genius that he is, manages to to mesh all three dances together. Um, so what you see on stage is, is three three dancers performed by three orchestras with. Um, and with uh, different parts of the, uh, the, the 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 guests, would, you know, different in guests dancing to to the different dancers, and for me that was one of the biggest uh, challenges to stage. But um, it, it also provides a scope to to do something really spectacular. And um, uh, for me, that yeah, the challenge was to was to get the clarity of the of the three dancers happening together, which I think we've achieved. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I just love that section because it's so ingenious. Um, I obviously also love the, uh, the, 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 the moment that the statue arrives at dinner with the famous diminished chord, which he uses in the overture as well. Uh, for, for me, it's one of the most chilling moments in all of opera. And, um, and actually, the, 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 the whole scene is pure genius because it's, it's terror and comedy mixed together. And Mozart just does it so effort effortlessly. That's been an absolute joy to stage, and I must also say that the comedy, the comedy and terror of the graveyard scene, and that the wonderful duet when Leporello and, and Don Giovanni are uh, inviting the statue to dinner. It's also it's it's Mozart at his um, at at his best. Marvelous! Thank you very much. <laughs>